from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We are now live here on Facebook.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. This is Jimmy Roberts. Good Jimmy, morning, good morning to Jim. Jimmy is our resident Jaguars fan. Jimmy is also somebody who is uh, connected with me, uh, both professionally and personally. He's been helping out with trivia. Jimmy and I have known each other for a for a minute here. He's in the Fantasy Football Challenge, and uh, he's also a good friend that uh, that knows when to bring the Totino's pizza rolls, I guess. Right. <laughs> so, well, thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So Jimmy's here in the studios with us this morning. We're here to talk about a lot of different things, and uh, we're going to get into the conversation right away. So for those of you listening on MixLR, dot com backslash wake up call dt we thank you and on wake up call dt.com's homepage and then also those of you watching here on facebook live we're live on facebook with wake up call every single friday starting at 10 a.m eastern time right around 10 a.m this time around we are here with you with jimmy roberts and of course myself dan tortora so thank you for watching thank you for tuning in and being a part of it what's it like for you to to be on video and on the air. I mean, this is a first for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's a refreshing experience. Honestly, uh, I get used to it. I think <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it. Okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're here. We're hanging out, and uh, you know, we're. I always do the show your shirt day. So, you know, Friday is Friday is show your shirt day. So, show everybody what you're wearing here. All right. You got. So it. I got this. Uh, you go that way. There you go. This little Thailand diamond shirt. It's a, a more refined Jacksonville Jaguars fandom shirt, I believe. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you gotta look for the hidden details. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a, it's essentially some Jaguars love without having to officially right. say it's a Jaguars shirt. Now you can see the Jaguars emblem in the, on the side, but if you couldn't see this Jaguars emblem on my left side, and you just looked at the shirt, what would you think this is, Jimmy? Uh, a lucha libre mask. There you go. So I mean, it looks like a wrestling mask. It looks like it looks like something you would see a tribal wear oh, yeah. or or something by a wrestler. But it's essentially it is a jaguar shirt. I just thought it was unique and different. So it also looks like the Yeti from the uh, Expedition Everest ride. So if I put this on in Disney at Animal Kingdom, people might be thinking that I'm a big fan of the ride, which I am. So you know, however, whatever, wherever, these are the subtle jaguars shirts. So the, the not-so-subtle thing is the message that Shad Khan put out. I want to read this message again on the show. I read it earlier in this week, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, Shad Khan had sent an email out to all of the media that covers the Jaguars. I'm proud to say that you know I just finished up my 10th year of being on site, on location in some respect. So I got sent this email. It was Sunday right after the game. Right. So it's on uh, Sunday, December 30th. We get this email, and I want to read it off to everybody here on what Shad Khan had to say. Now, as I'm picking it up here, do you like Shad Khan as an owner? I do. I, I think he's uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's put the team in, in great hands with Tom Coughlin. I feel like Dave Caldwell's a great GM. Uh, 
I feel like he's put the team in a position to win. Yeah. Now, you like Dave Caldwell, and, and I want to uh, – we'll get to Dave Caldwell here in a second, but I do want to read this off, but, but I want to keep with the Dave Caldwell thing, so don't forget that. This statement from owner Shad Khan on the future of the Jaguars franchise said, quote, I informed Tom Coughlin this week that I want him to see through our shared goal of bringing a Super Bowl title to Jacksonville. When you read just that sentence, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful and, and excited, but uh, following the season, a little bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but when you read, I informed Tom Coughlin that I want him to see through our shared goal of bringing a Super Bowl, does that not sound like I want to give Tom Coughlin the coaching job? Um, I mean... I feel that from that statement. But I guess the question is, would Tom accept that job? Because right. I feel like he's grown uh, partial to the vice president of football operations. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure if after his tenure in New York following his departure yeah. from Jacksonville initially yeah. that he would be open to that idea. But uh, maybe. I'd, I'd be okay with that as a fan. It's just it, reading it to me it's like i want tom to see through our goal and i'm like okay well that sounds like you're handing over the torch given our overall body of work over the past two seasons i offered to tom that i preferred entering the 2019 season with as much stability as reasonable or possible at the top of our football operation this is a big statement here on how much power tom has however those decisions at all times are tom's decisions and I would respect any call he made on our general manager and head coach. What does that say about the power that Shad Khan has put in the hands of Tom Coughlin? These decisions at all times are Tom's decisions. And I would respect any call he makes on the general manager and head coach. Well, uh, it appears that way that uh, Tom Coughlin's acting as Shad Khan's eyes, ears, and hands. Yeah. Uh, whenever uh, Mr. Khan himself can't be there. I'm pleased that Tom sees our situation and opportunity similarly, so we will return to work this week fully confident and optimistic with Dave Caldwell as our general manager and Doug Marone as our head coach. I have the same trust in Tom, Dave, and Doug as I did upon their introduction two years ago, and I do believe our best path forward for the moment is the one less disruptive and dramatic. I've never seen an owner write those words. Dis less disruptive and dramatic. What do you think about his choice of words here of choosing a path that is, quote, less disruptive and dramatic. I think it's very succinctly put. I feel like, uh, you know, drama is something that the media feeds off of and it, 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 uh, it fuels stories on SportsCenter and, you know, all this speculation, like, surrounding uh, professional sports teams and all, like, coaching shakeups on Black Monday. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of something fans have come to expect. But uh, it's, you know, it's cool to see that Shad Khan's trying to work with what he has, the personnel he has, and yeah. not give up so easily and uh, treat it as if it's disposable. To continue with the conversation, stability should not be confused with satisfaction, however. I am far from content with the status quo, and while it's best to put 2018 behind us, I will not overlook how poorly we accounted for ourselves following a 3-1 start. There were far too many long Sundays over the last three quarters of the season, 75% of the season. 
with today's loss in Houston being the final example, and that cannot repeat itself in 2019. That is my message to our football people and players, but also our sponsors and fans, both of whom were remarkable. So he ends by saying to the fans and to the people that support and sponsor us, you guys were amazing. It's a good way to end. Yeah, I like it. Keep buying tickets and keep sponsoring us. We're not going to let it happen again. Uh, it it kind of seems like he's establishing accountability. Yeah. So let's go into the world that we live in today here with these with these Jacksonville Jaguars. This man, who many people remember from Syracuse, they're not fans of. Well, and neither are the Buffalo Bills. So upstate New York kind of dislikes him. And if he had somehow in between pissed off Rochester, he'd have that whole corridor from Syracuse to (laughs) Buffalo. But where we stand right now is that Doug Marone is heading into his third season as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe that this is either going to be his extension season or his final season. What do you think about Doug being the head coach still? Well, uh, first of all, I I agree entirely. Uh, This is a make or break year for him. Okay. And uh, I I do like Doug Marone as a coach. I feel like he kind of coaches the players to be grinders um, and just... Gruden grinders? Well, (laughs) hopefully better than that. (laughs) But uh, it appears that... He's teaching them not to give up on plays and yeah. uh, to just, like, fight hard in the trenches. And I feel like that that's definitely a valuable, like, commodity yeah. amongst the league. Um, I, I just feel with the talent that the Jags had last season, although combined with the injuries that they had, unfortunately, um, it, it just made for a, a kind of kind of a letdown season. And when we look at this Jaguars team and you bring up the injuries, I've talked about it on the show here plenty of times, but uh, like I told you this morning, I feel like you still have to drill it into the heads of people because they don't want to see it. Right. You know, when it's not your team, you go, well, you know, you're supposed to overcome injuries. But when it is your team, you're like, how can I win without Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, right. How can I do anything without Lamar Jackson at the end of the season? How could we have made the playoffs? What am I supposed to do without Kareem Hunt? I mean, it's, it's just, how could I win without Todd Gurley? What do you mean that I don't have Odell Beckham? So if it's your team... That's your excuse. You know, we would have been really good if Saquon didn't get hurt. So when it's Jacksonville, the fans are saying, look at our situation. The outsiders are saying, it doesn't matter. But let me paint this beautiful picture for you. Starting left tackle Cam Robinson out in game two. Starting left guard Andrew Norwell, who they spent millions of dollars on to take him away from Carolina, goes out for the season. Brandon Meester, the center for God knows how long, he goes out for the rest of the year. A.J. Can, the right guard, he plays, but he doesn't play at 100% during the year. Jeremy Parnell is on the injury report at right tackle position. Every starting offensive lineman. Will Richardson gets drafted, he gets hurt. They go to their backup left tackle, Josh Wells, he gets hurt. They go to the backup left tackle, Josh Walker, he gets hurt. They go to Eric Flowers, he gets hurt. And Eric Flowers kind of sucks. So so they go through all of that. Leonard Fournette does not play more than a couple games this season at full go. At the end of the season, he breaks a 25-yard run that would have been a touchdown, but he's labored by his legs and his injury. His hamstrings hurt him all year long. Whether he says it or not, it's a reality. So you don't get a full 100% Leonard Fournette 
the entire 16 games. TJ Yeldon plays hurt. Corey Grant, who's your backup to the backup running back, he goes out and he's your special teams catalyst. Then you have Jadon Mickens, who's your punt returner. He goes out for the season. Rashad Green goes in and out this season. Marquise Lee, your starting wide receiver, he's out for the season. Austin Safarian Jenkins, who you paid money to bring in as your number one tight end, goes out for the season. His backup, Niles Paul, goes out for the season. Yet everybody wants to know what happened in Jacksonville. Just can't catch a break. <laughs> I mean... When you have that many injuries, how how are you supposed to win? Well, you know, Dan, this is football. And they're supposed to have backups that are capable of being starter. Okay. So, I mean, let's let's just go Jimmy, let's go down the line here. Okay. Let's go down the line here. What would Dallas be without Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper? <laughs> right? Would they be anything? They'd be uh, 3 and 13. Okay. What would the Giants be without Saquon Barkley? Less than that. What would the Eagles be? Without Nick Foles, right now, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. Right, they would they would have missed it because uh, Carson Wentz w- wouldn't have been at a hundred percent. Likely would have been re-injured with the, the type of injury he already had. Right, we know what Washington is without Alex Smith. Mm. Chicago without Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard and Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton lose any of those guys, you're in trouble. Without Khalil Mack, you don't have a defense. Okay, Detroit Lions. Kenny Galladay is their only bright spot. What would you be without Kenny? Maybe you win two games. Green Bay Packers without Aaron Rodgers. We know that story. Yeah, we've seen that song and dance before. Minnesota without Delvin Cook and without Adam Thielen. The Atlanta Falcons without Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. The Carolina Panthers without Christian McCaffrey, I guess we would say. Right? The New Orleans Saints without Drew Brees, who's literally lost almost every single wide receiver, and he's one of the few quarterbacks that can do anything when that happens. Yeah, he, he makes his receivers better. Right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <clears throat> they don't really have anybody. <laughs> I mean, they don't. Who do they have? They don't have anybody. Jameis is not that good. They don't have anybody. So we can't really talk about that. The Arizona Cardinals without David Johnson. The Los Angeles Rams without Sean McVay as their head coach. And because Jeff Fisher had this same talent and did nothing with it, San Fran without Jimmy, we saw that. Yep. Seattle without without Russell Wilson, the Buffalo Bills without maybe Josh Allen because he's pretty I would, good. I would guess, yeah. And it's not Lashawn McCoy anymore. No. What would the Miami Dolphins be without? They don't have anybody either. <laughs> it's like reading a sheet of paper. It's like going. It's like going. All right, Miami. Miami without Oh damn, we don't No, that's not it. Yeah, we don't we don't wrong list. It's the wrong list. It's my that's my grocery list. (laughs) But but I mean it's the reality. It's real so Miami doesn't have anybody. The Patriots without Tom Brady. The Jets without They don't have anybody either. Baltimore without Lamar Jackson. Cincinnati without AJ Green and Andy Dalton. The Cleveland Browns without Baker Mayfield. The Pittsburgh Steelers without Big Ben and Juju Smith-Schuster, and Antonio Brown, who may not be there, and James Conner. The Houston Texans without Deshaun Watson. Indianapolis Colts without Andrew Luck. The Tennessee Titans without their running game that somehow figures it out every year. Marcus Mariota and their defense. The Denver Broncos. They don't really have anybody either, I guess you would say. Von Miller, Philip Lindsay. Yeah. You could say that. Kansas City without Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. The Chargers without Phillip Rivers. The Raiders don't have anybody. They have picks. They have picks. They have a lot of picks. 
But you know what I mean? We go through the majority of the NFL, and we're talking about different teams outside of Miami, the Jets, Oakland, and Tampa, who don't really have anything to hang their hat on right now. All of these teams, we know what it looks like when they lose somebody. Cincinnati losing A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. You know, we you look at this. The Pittsburgh Steelers lost Le'Veon Bell. If James Conner hadn't stepped up and that offensive line wasn't as good as it was, what would it be? The Colts without, without Andrew Luck were nothing last year. They got him this year and they're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So the reality of it all is if it's your team, you get it. When it's not, you're like, well, they can't make excuses. It's not an excuse. You lose your team. How are you going to win games? It's tough. The Jaguars lost almost every single piece of their offense. And they don't have a quarterback like Drew Brees who can throw you open and make you look good. I'd just probably stop if they don't have a quarterback. But, uh, I don't know. Hopefully Dwayne Haskins. (laughs) I've defended this man. For the first four years of his career, this was year number five. Now, is it his fault that the receivers can't get open? No. Is it his fault that he had the loss of the left tackle, which if nobody believed that it's the, that blocking your blind side is an extremely important thing and people understated, understated it and underestimated it, if you ever want to see the reality of what it's like to not have one, look at this season. What do you think about Blake Bortles? Uh, I think he turns over the ball too much. Uh, I mean, he, he he has his moments, like especially against uh, New England this year. He, he was surgical, but... He's not consistent enough, and the only thing he is consistent at is turning the ball over. And we just can't win when you, you throw two or three picks a game. The thing about Blake Bortles that you know I will come out and I will defend is the fact that his receivers are not giving him the help that he needs. His left tackle, like I was saying before, you know when you when when you underestimate the offensive line, which people do all the time. Because you give the credit to the running back and you give the credit to the wide receiver, but not the credit to the fact that they gave you the time to do it or the holes to do it. And when you lose your left tackle in Cam Robinson, when you don't have a left tackle in forever, when you lose that, it affects your team dramatically. It affects your quarterback dramatically because your blind side is a very important part that you have to take care of. Now, Blake got Blake made bad decisions. Blake made bad passes, yelled under the ball too long. Blake didn't get out of the pocket fast enough. But there were other instances where he had no time. There were instances where nobody got open. There were instances where who is he going to have run the ball? They had David Williams, who was a seventh-round pick to the Denver Broncos, who was on the practice squad, who they took at the end of the season and put out there. You know, they got Carlos Hyde, who did absolutely nothing. They brought in Jamal Charles for 15 minutes, yeah. So... The reality is, two years ago, Blake Bortles did not have a running back, did not have an offensive line, and the team sucked. They won three games. Right. And this year, they don't have an they don't have an offensive line, and they don't have a running back. They win a couple more games than that. But you take away the line, and you take away the rushing attack, and it's going to affect the team. Did you agree or disagree with the firing of Nate Hackett, knowing that he had lost his cupboard was almost completely bare? Um, I understand. I understand it, but uh, I also find that it's unfortunate for him personally because yeah. he did lose a lot of his most valuable personnel. 
Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about what fuels you and what drives you, we want to say and take a, a step aside here for a second to say that Wake Up Call is proudly fueled by Monster. Jimmy, if, if you lean to your left side, you can see that the fueled by Monster, we have the Juice Monster Mango Loco, Juice Monster Pacific Punch. We have the Cafe Monsters Caramel and Vanilla. We have the Monster Rehab Raspberry Tea. And we have the Red, White, and Blue Babies here. Let me let me do this the right way of the flag here. We'll Red, White, and Blue it for you. But we have the Ultra Red, the Zero Ultra, and the Ultra Blue. Jimmy, do you have a favorite monster? Uh, yes. Uh, all of them. <laughs> you like them all. So, yeah, Monster Energy proudly fueling the show and proudly providing the studios of, of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora with enough monster to... Uh, Get up and go? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say enough monster to probably defeat a robot that's 20 feet tall. I would say that that's right. fair. Enough monster energy to take down the best of them. So, thank you to Monster Energy for your support and for fueling Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So, you brought up Dave Caldwell. And I want to, I want to, I want to give a, a a fancy little picture of, of Dave here. Now I've interviewed Dave Caldwell. I spent some time with him. I spent time with Doug Marone. I spent time with Nate Hackett, Dave Caldwell, Tom Coughlin, Mark Lamping, president of the team. What are your thoughts on Dave Caldwell? Because the whole, you know, do you fire fire Doug Marone or not? All of a sudden becomes coach and GM. And do you fire Dave Caldwell? But Dave Caldwell has been responsible, at least partially, for drafting from, from you know, in, in the recent years here. We look for 2014 on, and, and I did that whole, you know, who they brought in and who they have. And for six years, they had 39 players they drafted. None of them are on the team anymore. Mm-hmm. Then from 2014 on, you get your A.J. Cans and your Jalen Ramseys and your Blake Bortles and your Leonard Fournettes and, and whatnot. And then you bring in your Malik Jacksons, you bring in your Calais Campbells, and you make all of these moves. I would think that Dave Caldwell, if anything, should be the safest of the bunch because he's responsible for bringing in all the pieces that helped to lead them toward an almost Super Bowl last year. So are you surprised that Dave Caldwell's name was brought up at all on the chopping block? Well, I feel like Shaq Khan just had to because that was the... um Middle management, so to speak. Yeah. Um, those are the three names that you think about. You got the vice president of football operations, the coach, and you got the GM. And uh, honestly, Dave Caldwell, he he has a, for the most part, I like the mix of the draft picks and the offseason free agency deals. Um, like, it, when, when, when they signed Malik Jackson and Calais Campbell, that – began to form our defensive line. And when he went out and drafted Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack, first two rounds, that that was awesome. I remember watching that draft, and I was very excited about it because I could just see the defensive unit start to come together. Um, So I'm in total agreement with you. I feel like he's probably behind Coughlin the safest. Yeah. Now, in this situation that we're in right now, uh, Jimmy Roberts and myself, Dan Tatora, we're here in the Wake Up Call Studios, fueled by Monster Energy. Proud to be here with you. Uh, I And there's actually two Dan Tatoras in this shot right now because my caricature is in the corner there. So that's the one that Disney made. So there's actually two of me. So if I ever, if we ever have a test and say how many Dan Tatoras are on the, on the thing right now, there's two. 
because that one counts. So Jimmy and I are sitting here talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are you surprised that Malik Jackson expects to be cut from the team? Not particularly, no. Uh, he He's, in my opinion, has fallen off a little bit. Uh, he, if I'm not mistaken, was riding the bench for a while, uh, at least the last few weeks. And it's tough, you know, like when I talked to him, he spoke with me. Is it Malik? This is what I like about Malik because I've, I've been with, I, I've covered Malik for all three years he's been in Jacksonville. I can't believe it's been three already. And talking with Malik Jackson, I mean, he's the guy that took off his Super Bowl ring and handed it to me, let me put it on, whatever. Like Malik and I have had conversations all the way through. He's never been a jerk. He's never not had time for me. He has been a, you know, a professional. He's always never minced words with me, which I appreciate. And I don't know. He's one of my favorite interviews because he tells the truth. He tells it like it is. He always swears at least once so that I have to edit it. He always drops one F-bomb. But, you know, Malik and I have talked on the road. We've spoken in the playoffs. We've spoken in the regular season at home in Jacksonville. And I really just, I feel like we, at least in my opinion, have a bond of he knows what I'm about. And he opens the door to me because he knows what I'm bringing to the table. You know, I feel that he could easily say, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But when it comes to me, even when he's pissed, even when they lose, he always gives me some time. And when we were talking the last time we spoke, which is uh, after the Redskins game, when Malik Jackson or within the last couple games, when him and I got to speak, he said, you know, we've switched over to Cody Kessler. And he's like, you know, we play for number five. It's about number five. But he said, what I've learned about the NFL is there's the players and there's the front office. There's two parts to the NFL, the players and the front office. And I got to take care of myself. I got to take care of, you know, me and do what I need to do. And if I disagree with something, I kind of have to keep my mouth shut and make sure that I'm protecting my job. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he opened the door to, I'm not really happy. I supported Blake Bortles. I have to do what they tell me to do, even if I don't want to do it. And at the end of the day, there's us and there's them and I have to take care of myself. He put this quote out, quote, in my mind, if I'm third or fourth on the depth chart, making 14.5 to 15 million, I don't see too much future for me in Jacksonville. I'm not trying to be a journeyman by any means, but it's a business. And soon as you try to forget that, then it's a rude awakening for sure. With my situation, I'm playing for 31 other teams potentially. I have to show these teams that I'm playing at a high level. I'm a pass rusher with one sack. So I have to show this team that I'm consistently still getting to the quarterback, but I'm just not finishing. So for me, I have to show a lot of people a lot of things about who I am and what I am and what I'm continuing trying to build for myself. End quote. Malik Jackson, one of the guys that I have appreciated as one of my top Jaguars, may not be in the locker room next season. And he's one of the guys who is not a virus in the locker room. He swears, he can be loud, but he's not the problem. So from my perspective, you got Calais Campbell, who shuts up and goes to work. Malik Jackson, who shuts up and goes to work. A.J. Boye, who shuts up and goes to work. Barry Church, who was shutting up and going to work before they cut him. And you still have Telvin Smith, who won't shut up. Jalen Ramsey, who can't shut up. And Marcel Darius, who thinks he's Mr. T. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there, 
there's obviously some problems in the locker room that aren't named Malik Jackson. So this one cuts a little bit deeper for me personally and professionally because I'm in the locker room and I see the attitudes and I see the personalities and I see the jewelry and the gaudiness and the thought that they won the Super Bowl when they didn't win the Super Bowl. Marcel Darius would be number one. If, if, if I was Tom Coughlin, Marcel Darius would be the first thing to get rid of because he's not that great and he's a pain in the butt. Telvin Smith, for as good as he is, I remember being in Pittsburgh. You were in Pittsburgh. You came out with me. I remember being out in Pittsburgh for the AFC Divisional game. And Telvin Smith picked up the fumble and ran it back for the touchdown. And then he started, you know, celebrating and taunting. And he got flagged for the penalty. And Tom Coughlin was sitting in the second row. I was in the first row. Tom was in the second row. He was over my left shoulder. I turned to go, I bet you Tom Coughlin's going to run down there and cuss him out right now. I'm not kidding. I told you this. I'm not kidding. As I turned, because we were in swivel chairs like I am right now, as I turned, you saw Tom's chair swung, still moving, and you saw the arm of Tom as he went into the tunnel. Like, just when I thought, I think he's going to cuss him the hell out, I look over and I saw I saw the remnants of Tom Coughlin storming out. So, it was impending. Tom needs to get this man in check because he's a hell of a talent. Jalen Ramsey is a hell of a talent. But Jalen Ramsey, last year, when I walked by him as a rookie, I looked at him as the cameras were on, and it was the day that like everybody was, it was all over the place, and he was screaming into one of the cameras, and the light was on him. As I'm walking by Jalen Ramsey and I'm seeing this, I go, this man's going to be a head case. This man is going to be a virus in this locker room. Thank God they're winning. When they lose, we'll see. That's what I said to myself. When they lose, watch. When Blake Bortles struggles, watch. And what happened this year? Blake Bortles struggles, and what does he do? He goes, when they ask him about the problems, he goes, you know there's problems here. You know what they are. I don't have to tell them to you. Do you know what they are? And the guy said, yeah, whatever. He's like, yeah, you know what the problems are. This man is all about himself. Deion Sanders came from Florida State and talked about himself all the time. Jalen Ramsey came from Florida State and talks about the other team. Deion Sanders, people hated Deion, but Deion loved Deion. Jalen loves to tell you how everybody else sucks. It's different. It paints a bullseye on you. And why in the preseason are you saying, Eli Manning, kiss my ass. Phillip Rivers, you suck. I mean, like, what? why Why tell the, like, why are you trying to pick fights? It's like sitting in the cafeteria and looking at everybody there and grabbing mashed potatoes in your hand and going, Bob, I hate you. Bill, I screwed your girlfriend. Like, why would you do that? What is the point of it? Why? I mean, you know that every single week teams are going to want to play you. You're coming off of almost making the Super Bowl. You know people are going to give you their best game more times than not. Why tell everybody how bad they suck? Especially to the people that don't suck at all. Yeah, or yeah, how, how bad he perceives that right. they suck. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure the reasoning behind that. What was it, like 26 different quarterbacks that he went off on? I mean, almost every single quarterback out there. Yeah. Can't, I mean, he didn't go after Blake because it was on his team, so he went after 26 of 31. Yeah. And the thing is, what's the point of it? What are you trying? What do you? I am okay, and I've said this before. I am more than okay with Jalen Ramsey talking trash on the field. Mm-hmm. I am more than okay with me being Jalen and you being the wide receiver and lining up and me going like, dude, your sister, she is crazy. Like, I am ready for that. I am ready for that in the moment. Right. 
not not in the locker room, not to the media, not in the practice field, not on Twitter, right here. Yeah, like, right here like in the trenches. In the trenches. Mm-hmm. Talk to him all day long when I can't hear you. But keep your damn mouth shut when it can be taken, recorded, and written. Don't do that. Nobody can record and write what you're saying on the field. Unless they're standing right next to you, nobody can do it. Yeah, I'd keep his uh, Super Bowl predictions to himself. Right. Don't talk about it. Jimmy and I, after the Pittsburgh game, were like, wow. Pittsburgh said that they were going to go past Jacksonville. They weren't even looking at Jacksonville. And Malik Jackson said to me, I gave you a front row seat that you asked for, Pittsburgh, on your couch with your popcorn. Enjoy the game. They took the locker room material. They put a chip on their shoulder. They won the game. Not even 20, not even 12 hours later, they fly back to Everbank Field at the time, which is now TIAA Bank because they bought Everbank. They go back to Everbank Field. They land. It's like five hours, six hours later. Taylor Ramsey says, we're going to the Super Bowl and we're going to win that bitch. And I went, what did you learn from Pittsburgh? You just used Pittsburgh to your advantage. And now you're giving the Patriots what the Pittsburgh Steelers gave you. And you and I looked at each other and said, what, Jimmy? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> and we say that, that Jalen Ramsey had officially stamped the end of the season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, he ended it. He, he pretty much sent Tom right to the Super Bowl. So because, Tom, because this is Tom Brady in a press conference. Tom, what do you think about the fact that Jalen Ramsey said that he's going to the Super Bowl and he's quote-unquote going to win that bitch? This is Tom. I love Dunkin' Donuts. I love my kids. I'm ready to play football. That smirk. I'm ready. That's what he, he looks at you and he goes, I don't know what Jalen said, but God bless him. I'm ready to play football. That's when he shoves a rod up your behind. Like that is what he does. And and you know what? Can I can I sidebar Tom Brady? I hope to have the love and affection someday that Tom if I could have the intimacy an affection and a relationship that Tom has with his 12-year-old son. <laughs> if a woman could kiss me like that. <laughs> I wasn't sure we could go there. <laughs> we could go there. Tom in his house having a having that's when you know you're rich when the masseuse comes to you and you have a bed in your house. Tom's buck naked in his bed as far as we know. He's almost naked if he's not naked. He's laying face up. His son comes in and says, Dad, can I play my video game? Or whatever he said. And the masseuse is rubbing Tom down, oiled up and everything. And he goes, yeah, can I have a kiss? And he gives him a kiss. He goes, no. On the mouth. And then he's, mmm. And I'm like, was there tongue? I feel like there was tongue. Yeah, I think I I I felt that too. (laughs) So, you know, I aspire to have the intimacy in my relationship that Tom has with his child. Because nobody, no, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen anybody kiss somebody like that. I can go back to Disney movies and not find that. <laughs> yeah, probably just take a look at Princess Bride or something. I mean, like, like I mean, where is that affection? And, and is that child in therapy? Because they should oh, be right be. now. He will be. I feel like the therapy Tom would want to have in the house. So he's getting massaged in one room. The next room over is the therapy room, and he opens the door while his son's crying about it, and he goes, "Hey, buddy, later." <laughs> like I feel, I feel like, that. Probably like winks at him. You know, anybody who buys male Uggs for their team when you win a game, 
and kisses his son for more than I'm comfortable with. I mean, you can call him arguably the greatest quarterback ever, but I'm also horrified. Oh, yeah. Like, I would buy male Uggs as a joke if you're a... Like, okay, if you and I made a bet, I'd make you wear male Uggs. I wouldn't buy them for you as a gift. I'd be like, put those on and look like an idiot. Right, like if you finish last <laughs> in fantasy or something like wear that. Wear male Uggs. Yeah. Do it now. That's what I would do. Put your Uggs on. Next season, that should be a thing. Uggs, not drugs. But I mean, it's it's it, yeah. I don't get the male Uggs thing in West Genesee. Yeah. The uh, the basketball team is trying to sell me on Uggs, and I just I can't I can't pick up what you're putting down, fellas. But any final words on Jack? So okay, so Jacksonville, they go into the draft. They have what the seventh pick. Seventh pick right now. So they have the seventh pick. Two third rounders, I think. Who do you take in? Do you take a quarterback, a wide receiver? Quarterback. 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 You want Dwayne Haskins, yes, Junior, yep. from Ohio State, yep. who is a redshirt sophomore, but because he redshirted, he technically was in college for three years, which means that he's available for the draft. Mm-hmm. Only played two seasons. Yep. You want Dwayne? You need immediate change at the quarterback position. Why do you want Dwayne Haskins? Uh, because he's the best available talent in the draft. Uh, honestly, probably even including free agency. Uh, he's, I believe I saw on ESPN the sixth, uh, college quarterback to throw 50, tu- 50 touchdowns in the season. He's, I-, I feel like he's very talented. I feel like he could definitely, uh, be developed into a very dominant quarterback. And, uh, just, I mean, even if they kept Blake Bortles on as like his backup. Yeah. That'd be fine. We just can't have any more games where Cody Kessler starts and finishes with under 200 yards from scrimmage. How about the fact that Dwayne Haskins owns only playing two years at Ohio State, only two seasons at Ohio State at quarterback, two seasons, folks. That's 24 games and some change because they play bowl games. In less than 30 games, he has more than 20 Ohio State records. In less than 30 games. I feel like that speaks for itself, doesn't it? I think that that is some nice stuff. I would have liked to see him in the college football playoff because I feel like what he could have done in the college football playoff, I mean, him, his team and Georgia's team, I think, had the best chance of taking down Alabama. Oh, yeah. I think Ohio State had, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I looked at that. Haskins, single season Ohio State records, completions, attempts, touchdown, passing touchdowns, passing yards, completion percentage, total offense. He set all those records. He set the Big Ten Conference single-season record for passing yards, topping Curtis Painter, set the Big Ten single-season record for touchdown passes, topping Drew Brees, moved to, I mean, I mean, he, he did so much. He passed Drew Brees, who played at Purdue. He passed Drew Brees. And Drew Brees is a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, um, if I'm not mistaken, he's, he's, he's running for MVP this year, right? I would mouth kiss Drew Brees. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back to, I had to circle the wagons. With, with tongue? Not with tongue. <laughs> good. I say, I saved. no, I can't say that. That's not right. What if Tom Brady said that, where it was like, how do you kiss Giselle? He's like, I kiss her on the mouth, but I saved my tongue from my son. Like, I mean, what is, like, what, does Giselle get offended by this? 
I wonder her, if she I gets think. kissed though, because you know she got so much makeup and she always has to look. You know the women that have to look perfect. It's almost like is he even allowed to kiss her? You know what I mean? It's a fair question. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine his son. He's like, Dad, I don't want to kiss you anymore. He's like, When you're 18, you can make those decisions. Like. <laughs> When you're out, when you're not under my roof anymore, you know, does he knock on the door at 3 a.m. and go, hey, buddy, I really need one. Had a tough, had a tough practice today. I mean, it's just, it's, it makes me physically uncomfortable. It makes me like my arms feel weird. My whole body, I feel like I'm almost like in a state of shock. I feel like I was, I feel like I have to go to a therapist to talk about seeing what I saw. It's just definitely something you don't. Expect to see coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, but it's not even that though. That, it's, it's more suctioning than that. And I just... <laughs> it was way too long. Oh yeah. I don't mouth kiss my dad at all. Right. Let alone for that amount of seconds. Like in an Italian family, you kiss on the cheek. Yeah. So I give my mom and my dad a kiss on the cheek. I don't mouth kiss anybody unless I like them like that. Right. So I don't know what's in Tom's water, uh, but it scares me. It's it, he's a different breed, that's for sure. It makes me uncomfortable. Makes me very uncomfortable. But uh, so they should take a quarterback. I don't deny Dwayne. If Dwayne Haskins is available and they don't take him, I'm flying down to Jacksonville. And we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, because all right, last year, overlooking Lamar Jackson, it, it gave me anxiety. Honestly. Yeah. Like, uh, I, who's who said Lamar Jackson was gonna be a good quarterback in the NFL? Who said that? Was it? But it's not six and one. Could have been seven and zero. Oh, went to the playoffs. Knocked the Steelers out of the playoffs. Who is it? Dan, don't worry. They'll figure out Lamar Jackson. Uh, nobody really figured him out in Louisville when he was healthy. He's better than Mike Vick in his prime. So how do you figure out? Oh, so what? What is there to figure out? He runs. If you can't stop him and you're not fast enough, right. what does it matter? What are you trying to figure out? He hikes the ball and sometimes runs it. And then everybody talks about his completion percentage. He's, his, he's not that bad at completing the ball either. I mean, his numbers have gone up. They've gotten better. Mm-hmm. He's throwing touchdowns. He's not throwing a lot of interceptions. He's 6-1. and one. He won more games than Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen and Josh Allen. And he's the only one of the five rookie quarterbacks that were chosen in the first round of the NFL draft 2018 that's in the playoffs. How about that? But continue to tell me I'm crazy that Lamar oh, Jackson's a good quarterback. Well, he's, he's undersized, and he'll be figured out. He'll get hurt. Yeah. How many quarterbacks have been told they're this, that, and the other? I mean, there are people that didn't believe. When Big Ben came out, me, myself, just me, watching by myself, watching SportsCenter, there was a group of like five, six guys talking heads on SportsCenter. Mm-hmm. One of them said Ben Roethlisberger will be good as a rookie. I said Ben Roethlisberger would be good as a rookie. Ben Roethlisberger was tremendous. Now, he took a little bit of time, but then he was really, really good. I said Sam Darnold is going to have a season like Peyton Manning did. He's going to throw a lot of interceptions, and all of a sudden he's going to be really good. I'm waiting for that to happen. But it's like, I mean, I, I, I backed Matt Ryan in the beginning, went to the playoffs. I backed Mark Sanchez when he went to the playoffs in the beginning. I backed way before the butt fumble. You know, I, I mean, it's like there you see it and you know it. Lamar Jackson is an athlete. Lamar Jackson is going to find ways to win games. Tim Tebow 
found ways to win games. So it's just whatever you think of them, Jamarcus Russell was the number one pick. <laughs> Tim Tebow won a playoff game. So, you know, it's like, say what you want to say, call me crazy, but at the end of the day, what quarterbacks did I choose won playoff games? What quarterbacks did you choose didn't win playoff games? What quarterback did I say was going to figure it out when you said that Joe Flacco was going to lose his job? So they're in the playoffs because of Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like... And they're lethal. I feel like critics will have have talked down upon every upcoming athlete. Right. Uh, like, for instance... I have no problem being the only guy that says something, though, because... History shows me that I do my research. I don't just say it to say it. Right. I don't pick it to pick it. I don't pick it because I want people to respond to me, Doug Gottlieb. So I usually don't say names, but we all know that he hates Syracuse, and we know Dick Vitale loves Duke. But when you're speaking, be it about anything, be it about Syracuse, my hometown. I don't pick Syracuse because it's my hometown. I don't pick Syracuse because I grew up here. I don't pick Syracuse because I was in the Dome my whole life. That's not why I picked them to win, lose, or draw a game. I do my research. I assess the situation. I don't say anything unless I'm confident. Right. I picked Lamar Jackson because I picked him. When I pick Lamar Jackson, I don't know that 95% of the rest of the universe is not going to pick him. Right. When I picked Syracuse to be at the top of the ACC the year that they went to the Final Four and nobody else did but me, I didn't know that 770 people were going to disagree with me. It's a blind vote. Right. So... At the end of the day, you make the best assessment you can. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're not. I like to think that I'm right more than often because I do my research, I try my best, and there's a little bit of luck in there. But Lamar Jackson is somebody that I thought from day zero was going to be a massive hit to Louisville, which he was, and a massive help to wherever he went, which he has been. So guess what? One AFC, uh, AFC North team made it to the playoffs. Their name is Baltimore. That's Lamar Jackson. Six and one. And they lost an overtime game with Kansas City, which some people say the refs were involved. That the refs made that game a little bit easier for Kansas City at the end. It could have been seven and oh. Six and one. Gus Edwards was a nobody before he got there. That's what you'd call an immediate impact, would you not? Did he not save John Harbaugh's job? Did he not officially end Joe Flacco in Baltimore? <laughs> yeah, right. In one, sw- in one foul swoop. And now they are the one of the most dangerous teams in the playoffs. The best L.A. team is not the Rams, it's the Chargers. And guess what? People are picking the Ravens to win that game. Well, because they already did. The Chargers have lit right, 22-10. The Chargers have literally gotten the worst straw when they pulled. Oh, yeah. The Chargers are like, can we go to the NFC and play Philadelphia? No? Anybody? I mean, I, I would think the Chargers could hold their own against the Bears. They're playing the Ravens. Anybody that plays the Ravens right now is in trouble. And I still think the Super Bowl is going to come out of the NFC. It's either going to be the Bears or the Saints. I don't think the Rams are that good anymore. I don't think they're bad, but they're not better than the Bears and the Saints. See, I I think it's going to come out of the NFC too, but I think it's either going to be the Saints or the, or the Rams. Or the Rams. Personally. A lot of people picking the Saints. We're going to take a step aside here for a fast break on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT and on, on WakeUpCallDT.com and here on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. You will see us end this video, but stay with us on Facebook. We'll be starting another video right. momentarily with Jimmy Roberts and Dan Satora inside of the Wake Up Call studios. Every time I shoot the video, I look at these two wide open spots and say something has to go there. 
I don't know what I want to put there. It's prime real estate. We'll have to figure it out. We'll talk about it. And we'll, Jimmy will give me some ideas. Yeah, TBD. Okay, we'll talk about it. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature Top It breakfast bar with over 30 different toppings to personalize the most important meal of the day, all complimentary with your stay. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to Canine Campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying, in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to K9 Campground. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is Penn and Trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. 
It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on Wake Up Call DT. I can't deal with it. What's up? Wake- the video during the break and it's worse than i thought it was yep it's worse than you remember folks <laughs> it's worse i remembered the kiss i didn't remember the door opening and tom getting rubbed down and he goes so <laughs> and then he comes through and it's like his son asked for something he goes what do i get <laughs> it's every bad porno ever what do i get <laughs> what do i get what's up and then and then the masseuse goes, he's like this on Tom. And he's looking at the sun. He goes, everything comes with a price, buddy. I was like, oh, is that the devil? <laughs> you're complicit in this? I thought you were just a hardworking little guy. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know that this is what we were doing today. So welcome back to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. We're live on Facebook on facebook.com backslash live now dt and i have this for you what's up hey hello i was wondering if i could check my fantasy team what do i get <laughs> you know jack everything comes with cost but that, that was like a pick who's your fantasy quarterback jack cam newton cam newton that's so gross oh, poor child it's so gross oh it's so bad oh god it makes me so uncomfortable yet i can't stop watching it upper lip definitely moved yeah his lip definitely moved i aspire to be kissed like that someday <laughs> wait a second wait 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 for it watch it like this now are you ready? You aren't ready. Oh, it makes me so uncomfortable. I can't deal with that. But why? Why is that okay? And who filmed this? Or was this a camera that's always behind him in the massage you know area what? of his Either house? option, equally unnerving. <laughs> I just hope that Tom's endorsement deals are enough to pay for that kid's 
therapy. Yeah. Some serious couch time. Oh my gosh. Sup. <laughs> yep. Can I check my fantasy team? What do I get? <laughs> Why? Like, what do you expect? <laughs> what do I get? It's like, go check your fantasy team. He's not asking for anything. I have to, I'm sorry, I have to do it one more time. What's up? Hey, hello. I was wondering if I could check my fantasy team. What do I get? <laughs> you know, Jack, everything comes at a cost, but that was like a pick. Who's your fantasy quarterback, Jack? Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Wait, was that the cameraman? Cam that asked who's the quarterback? I think it is the cameraman. So there's a cameraman filming this. I don't get it. Oh my god! It makes me sad. I'm just, I'm just confused. <laughs> I guess <laughs> like it makes me whatever the reverse is of like watching a kiss. It makes me, it makes me feel not human anymore. Is that possible? Uh, it's it's definitely possible. It makes me want to crouch in the fetal position and cry. There's no place like that. <laughs> He's not that type of person. But it's like, what, what, why? Why is that a reality? Why is that okay? That's what I want to understand. And who, and the, I mean, the masseuse says, come on, Jack, you know, you know that everything comes with a cost. What? Who says that? Al Pacino? <laughs> I mean, like, who says? He's like, kiss the ring. I mean, like, who makes that call? It feels. I feel like that would be something in a movie about the devil. Well, uh, I don't know, man. That's just. It makes me uncomfortable. It's odd. Makes me very uncomfortable. Odd duck. It also makes me feel like this should be like the background of my show now. You ever walk into a room and you hear that sound? Run in the other direction. That's never been music for anything else. Right. Ever. Not once. That's not elevator music. No. It's not music that <laughs> and they. If it is, you're in the wrong elevator. You're in the wrong elevator, folks. Man, I feel like I need to use that Tom Brady thing in everything I do in life. I feel like I should use it. Oh, yeah? Yeah? You're a big guy? Yeah, huh? Why don't you go home and kiss your son in the mouth? I mean, like, what are you supposed to... What? It makes me uncomfortable. I feel like I've been castrated. That's how I feel right now. I feel like I don't even have... That's how... That's how... That's tough. That's how mortified I feel right now of this whole thing. I feel rather, uh, rather alarmed myself about it. And it, this is a grown child. This is not a baby. Yeah, right. You, you see he's uncomfortable with it. He does this afterwards. Like... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I like how Emily said, what did I walk into? You walked into a wonderful broadcast of Wake Up Call. Listen, I'm not responsible for what Tom Brady does. I'm only responsible for how Jimmy and I respond to it. That's it. We appreciate you being here. I want want to take a shower right now. (laughs) I want to bathe myself right now, but I want to cry in the shower as well. That's what I want to do in this moment. Let's talk about something else. Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Notre Dame. Thank goodness no teams made it here that were embarrassing. 
Thank goodness oh, that man. Notre Dame in their 12-0 and phenomenal season where they barely beat Vanderbilt and Ball State and the only blowouts they had were against Florida State, who stunk this year, and Syracuse, who was playing without Eric Dungy. Thank goodness that a team who was more than deserving, according to the committee, made it. Yeah, no. Pretty much. Wow, Notre Dame. 30-3. Yeah, to it's, three. It's terrible. And, like, and Brian Kelly was voted coach of the year. And they also get more home games than anybody else. Notre Dame gets to call all the shots. Oh, yeah. Whatever they want. Take a sale and stuff like that. Whatever too. they want. It's all Notre Dame. Do what you want to do, Notre Dame. We're cool with it. Clemson played like a champion. Alabama played like a champion. Oklahoma played like a team that has no defense. And Oh, my gosh. Look at what it is again. Look at the championship game again. Look at who's going to decide it. Should we not just call this the BCS championship again? <laughs> Alabama-Clemson every year. Are we not just playing the BCS championship every year? Shouldn't they just call it <laughs> just like the Bama championship? Like... I, I mean, but I mean, what are, what are we doing here? Because to me, there's only two teams... They come to play. And Georgia had their year last year. But Oklahoma's been allowed in twice and doesn't play defense at all. And Notre Dame, again. Let me read you Notre Dame's schedule, shall I? Shall we read Notre Dame's schedule? I think we should. Jimmy, if you will oblige me, I would love for you to read off the schedule game by game and to stop after each game so that I may give my analysis. Could you Could you be the, the Vanna... To my wheel of fortune. I think I can do okay. that. Okay, so let's let's do that right now. So Notre Dame, we will start at the top. Go ahead. All right. So we got uh, we got Michigan. That was a good game, rivalry game, reputable team, team that could have won the Big Ten. Yeah. Then we got Ball. They beat Ball State twenty-four to eighteen and twenty-four to sixteen. By the way, everybody thinks UCF is trash for losing 40-32 to 32 without their starting quarterback to LSU on the other side of the country. But Notre Dame was at home and won <clears throat> by eight points over Ball State. That's pretty weak. Yeah. The next game? Yeah, we got Vanderbilt. 22-17. to 17. Five-point victory also at home to an unranked team. And then moving on to Wake Forest. At Wake Forest this time. Wow. They actually have an away game? They had an away game. Oh, wow. After three in a row at home. They beat Wake Forest in a game where Dave Clawson, the head coach, said that his team wasn't lining up, didn't have their eyes in the right places, and weren't all in the same defense and fired their defensive coordinator that day. And then moving on to Stanford. Ranked in the top seven, didn't buy into it when they were, finished outside of the top 25. They blew them out, but the Pac-12, including Stanford, didn't have anything to offer this year. And then after that, Virginia Tech. They beat Virginia Tech on the road. Virginia Tech had their worst season under Justin Fuente this year. And then another home game, big surprise against Pitt. Pitt lost the game at the end of the game on their own accord. Their defense showed up to play. Their offense could not move the ball. Their quarterback could not complete a pass and get downfield. 
but they had a chance at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. The Navy. Navy hasn't been the same team in the last two years. They've been a shell of themselves. So they beat a Navy team that's already beaten themselves. And then, oh, oh my goodness, their third away game of the season <laughs> yeah. at Northwestern. They play Northwestern, who's a good team. They beat them by 10 points, and this is somewhat reputable. FSU, as aforementioned. Beat FSU by 29 points in a season where FSU looks like FIU. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, Syracuse. Syracuse's most uncharacteristic game of the season, losing Eric Dungey at Yankee Stadium. That was a reputable win. And then, to round out the regular season at USC. Had to come back at the end of the game to win by a touchdown against a team who had a subpar season. So, once again, what did Notre Dame do to make it to the college football playoff? Played some weak opponents. They defeated Michigan and Syracuse. But what the committee has essentially done this year has made the statement that if Notre Dame, who doesn't have a conference, Notre Dame, who doesn't have a conference championship game, Notre Dame goes 12-0 with no conference championship, many home games, and a schedule that they get to pick, as long as they go 12-0, they have a shot for a spot. But UCF, who went 25-0, with a coaching staff with Scott Frost that all left for Nebraska and had a new coaching staff with Josh Heupel that came in and were undefeated, and I've never seen anybody in the history of any sport go undefeated from one coach to another, ever, no matter what you want to say about UCF. I've never, have you, seen somebody change their entire coaching staff and the players continue to win every game? Nope. 25-0, and undeserving. 12-0, and playing a bunch of cupcakes and not blowing anybody out except for Florida State and Syracuse, not having a conference championship game like UCF, not winning a conference championship game because you don't have one like UCF did. They won theirs. I was there for that. And yet Notre Dame is deserving of a spot. So the committee has essentially made the statement, go 12-0 and and we'll always consider you. It seems that way. And this is where I say that every single college football playoff should be chosen based on that season and that season alone. Only that season. Alabama went undefeated, but the SEC had some down teams this year, like Auburn. Clemson, after almost losing to Syracuse at home, where they haven't lost since the end of 2016 in Death Valley, after almost losing to Syracuse, where they won by four, they flipped out on everybody else and have not done anything but blow out every single team since then in a fit of rage. So Alabama is deserving. Clemson is deserving. Oklahoma is deserving for this letter, offense, but Oklahoma doesn't do this well. Play defense. And Notre Dame went 12-0, and but let's call it what it is. They had two good games. So, guess who's not in the college football finale? Kyler Murray, unfortunately. Look at Jimmy and my surprise faces. Exactly. Ohio State would have made it more fun. 
Georgia would have made it more fun. Georgia would have been a great game against Alabama. Georgia gives Alabama fits. They did it last year. Georgia had the game. Alabama took it at the end because of Tua Tagovailoa playing insane. Say that ten times fast. I don't think they can. You know, and then Dwayne Haskins breaking more than 20 records in less than 30 games. Two seasons. Two seasons as the quarterback. Barely even, people have barely even gotten used to seeing him at, o- at Ohio State, and now he's going to the NFL. And we get to see, maybe, we, we get to see Notre Dame. And see, this is where UCF has an argument. But UCF is, their argument is only aided by, not them yelling, it's aided by the Pac-12 going, why aren't you picking us? It's aided by the Big 12 going, we barely made it in. It's aided by the Big 10 going, why can't we get in? We had good teams this year. So the best case for UCF is that the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Stanfords, that they fight and say, you got to expand it. Because Alabama, this is how I look at the college football playoff normally. Alabama will always be in it. Alabama will always be in it. Alabama is the only team that can win, that can win every game and have zero losses, one loss, or two losses. It's the only team that I think in America can have zero, one, or two, and they're still going to get in. Because mm-hmm. Alabama's always got a spot. Because they have two losses, they'll just put them here. The winner of the ACC, probably Clemson. If Syracuse won and Clemson was the runner-up, I still think they would have considered Clemson. Mm-hmm. Because of history. So we're always going to see Alabama, in my mind. We're going to see an ACC team, in my mind. Typically, we're going to see another SEC team, in my mind, that's going to account for 50% of it. And then this is the wild card. This is either the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12, another ACC team. This, This is what that is. So it's get used to this, folks. Get used to this maybe being another SEC team. And so this is really the only open spot. So this right here is where Georgia says no. Where Ohio State says no. Where Michigan says no. Where Washington State and Washington and Stanford say no. Where West Virginia says this is this this is not enough to account for three, four, five teams. So I think that the best thing you can do is move to eight. Thoughts? Um, I like that. I honestly think that... If they trimmed back the season a couple games and they went to like a twelve team format, that that'd be cool too. Um, I don't know. It definitely needs expansion though. Something has to be done because you think about it like this: the Big Twelve. Now, in order to have a championship game, you have to have two divisions and at least twelve teams. Mm-hmm. The Big Twelve, in the irony of realignment, has ten teams, and the Big Ten has fourteen. Figure that math out for children that are trying to understand math in third grade that are being told that by their parents. So the Big 12's championship game, they don't have divisions. They don't have 12 teams. Their championship game is null and void. It doesn't matter. They just play it. Okay? So you have that. You have that notion right there that they're playing that. Now, the Pac-12 has a champion. The Big 12 says they have a champion. The Big 10 has a champion. The ACC has a champion. The SEC has a champion. That's five spots. So you go to eight teams, you got five spots taken care of. Whoever wins, boom. Outside of that, you say, we got three spots left. So you look at the group of five. You look at UCF. You look at the power six. 
is what I believe the American is. You give UCF a shot. You leave a shot for Notre Dame. You also leave a shot for a second team from any one of the other conferences. Your top eight. You put them all in. Because in this case, this year, okay, if we go back to the rankings here, I want to go to the the final rankings of the college football playoff and all the good stuff. Or the, well, we don't have the final rankings of that, but if we look at the rankings, you have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and UCF. How is that not a tremendous way to determine a champion? You got two Big Ten teams. You got two SEC teams. You got an independent. You got an American athletic team. You got a Big 12 team. You got an ACC team. The only team, but now the conference that can that can get pissed off is the Pac-12, because Washington's outside of it. But you could you could argue with Washington and Michigan, and maybe flip that or something like that. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, you say, okay, the top eight includes the American, and includes the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, the SEC, and the ACC. And if you think about it, you know, almost everybody. If it went to twelve, it'd have everybody. And if it went to 12, it would have the Pac-12. And it would have Penn State, LSU, and Florida. You give the the first and second team uh, a one-game buy or a two-game buy even, mm-hmm. and you have everybody beat the hell out of each other. You have Notre Dame play. You know, Notre Dame plays Penn State. Well, if, it, if it's my eight, Notre Dame plays UCF, Michigan plays Oklahoma, Georgia plays Ohio State. How do you not pay to see those games? And Notre Dame and UCF, UCF doesn't get respect for their conference. Notre Dame's not in a conference. Have them battle it. And I'm telling you right now, I would pick UCF. This is how I determine who deserved that final spot. Now, Notre Dame got the third spot, not the fourth. But to me, it was the fourth. And I look at Notre Dame-UCF head-to-head. I would pick UCF all day. Oh, yeah. So if I'm going to pick UCF all day, then why is Notre Dame playing in the college football playoff? I will tell you this. Clemson blanked Ohio State, Alabama embarrassed Washington, and this year Clemson took down Notre Dame by 27. Unless UCF can score negative points, I don't know how they can play any worse than those other three teams, which, mind you, are all in the Power Five or considered part of the Power Five in Notre Dame. So if UCF can do better than three against Clemson, which I know they can, Mm -hmm. it would have been a game. And that's the reality of it all. So let's change it. But let's talk about it here for a second. This is what we have. I've already made my choice. Who are you picking? And I will talk about my pick. I made it on Thursday show. It's it's <coughs> going to be <coughs> colored with crimson. Colored with crimson? Oh, yeah. So Jimmy is going with Bamalama. I'm over here. Clemson has been on... An angry, hulked out, gamma radiation tour since almost losing to Syracuse. Alabama's been on one for the last five years. Right. But Clemson, a couple years ago, they found a way, and I think they'll find a way this time. I think it'll be an interesting game. It's going to be an interesting game. Whoever wins, I think it's going to be exciting. Let's talk about this one. I was down there for the game, Camping World Bowl. What were your thoughts on Syracuse? In the Camping World Bowl down in Orlando, Florida. That good. I I mean, I would have liked to see the game played with Will Greer and like for West Virginia. Yeah. But all in all, I think Syracuse looked looked solid. 
uh, all around offensively, defensively. Um, you think they took care of business? Yeah, pretty much. They just went out there and uh, just played a better game. To me, I mean, it's first time Syracuse is 10-3 and since 2001. First time they're ranked in both the AP and coaches poll simultaneously since 2001. First 4-0 start to the season since 1991 with Marvin Graves, our Monday morning quarterback, every Monday on Wake Up Call. Shout out to you. First time ever ranked in the college football playoff rankings. What more could you ask for? 4-8, 4-8, and they played 62 games against West Virginia. They own 34 of them to 28, and they've won the last four against West Virginia. And there was a moment in time that happened that I would love to share with you. If I could pick it up here, because you will appreciate this, and Syracuse fans will appreciate this all over the place. If I can if I can pull it up and find it here on Twitter. There's a song that West Virginia likes to sing. Country Road. Yeah, the West Virginia song. And I do have it. I know I got it here. I want to share this with everybody because I know I know Syracuse fans will get a kick out of this, so let me pull this up here. But this is what the team decided to do after their game. That is the Syracuse locker room singing West Virginia after the win. Let's do it one more time. An amazing moment in rivalry history. When they say that rivalries die when conferences change, fans, the, the people that are saying that, the broadcasters or the fans or the whatever, they obviously don't know Syracuse and West Virginia. Yeah. I, I would suppose not. Because now the West Virginia song has become one of my favorites. <laughs> Shout out to John Denver. Shout out to John Denver. So what what a game, what a game, what a game, what a game. And Syracuse moves forward here with some of the guys finishing up their time at Syracuse, one of them being we'll get to that in a second. One of them being the man they call Eric Dungey. The man, the myth, the legend. The all-time career passing leader, passing Marvin Graves, Donovan McNabb, and Ryan Nassib at Syracuse to become Syracuse's all-time passing leader. Responsible for bringing him here was Tim Lester, the head coach of Western Michigan, who was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach of Syracuse, who flew out to Oregon every chance that he could under NCAA rules to see this kid and be around his family. He brings in Eric Dungy. He continues to kind of get after Scott Schaefer saying, Scott, make sure you keep a scholarship spot open. Keep a spot open for my kid. Keep a spot open for my Oregon guy. Scott Schaefer obliges him, and Scott Schaefer and Tim Lester bring in the statistically best 
career passing leader in Syracuse football history. And Dino inherited a hell of a kid. Oh, yeah. And when Dino came in, he said, Eric's not going to run like he has been. We're going to tailor that back. And then he ran more. Season two, he goes, oh, he's going to be who he wants. <laughs> he's he's going to do what he wants to do. I mean, you know, because it's the best part of him. Is Eric Dungy an NFL quarterback? Uh, late round flyer. <laughs> Is he somebody that you would put on your team? Um, like, hypothetically, if I were in the Jacksonville Jaguars front office? Yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, I'd, I really admire his competitive nature, and I, I do like the fact that he doesn't give up on the game, and he will risk his... His body, he'll, he'll he'll put his he'll put it all on the line. Yeah, all he, of it. He's just out there. He is the ACC active leader in quarterback rushing touchdowns. The ACC active leader in quarterback rushing yards. The ACC active leader in touchdown passes. The ACC active leader in total offense. 2018 Athlon preseason All ACC and 2015 College Football News honorable mention freshman All American. He's six four. He's two twenty five. He's taller than Taysom Hill, who's a utility guy for the New Orleans Saints, who you can kind of parallel his game to, who came in as a quarterback but has played all different things. Yeah. He fits the bill. He's gotten stronger every year. He's gotten bigger every year. He's six foot four, and he has all of these ACC records as well as many records, uh, as well as obviously being the all-time leader for Syracuse in career passing yards of over almost 10,000 yards altogether. Yeah, because he passed 9,190, which was Ryan Nassib's number. So, and he's a hell of an athlete, and he never gives up. And he can lay a a mean hit on people. And he likes to let you know that if you cheap hit him, he'll walk. He's the quarterback that'll walk right over to you and tell you that he knows what you did and he's coming for you. How many times did he go up to players this year like, what the hell was that about, brother? What are you doing that for? Oh, yeah. You don't see you see quarterbacks lay on the ground and then their lineman helps them up and they go back to the huddle. He will go after the person that said something to him and he'll say something to them. Mm-hmm. He's a junkyard dog. I respect it. He's a tough guy. Eric Dungy, I think he'll make it in the NFL as well. I hope he will. I look forward to many, many more conversations with him. Guess what? We played in the wake of Call Fantasy Football Challenge, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, in the Home Depot Plaza. And the trophies presented by the Penn and Trophy Center. PennandTrophy.com is where you can go to get your trophy made as well. And they're located on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. Their new location, after 50 years in business and being downtown, are now right across from BJ's in East Syracuse right off of Bridge Street. The Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge saw many different champions, and I want to give a shout-out to each of the champions that we had in the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge. I'm going to let Jimmy do one of them, but I'm going to do the other ones. So (laughs) in, in the Gridiron Gurus League, the Wildcat Pizza Pub defeated Chargers Nation 24. Chargers Nation is run by Dylan Morrell, Dylan Morrell works at the Wildcat. The owner of the Wildcat defeated his employee. Danny Tome, who I helped draft in his league that he has, and so I told Danny I'm taking some credit as a liaison 
so I get to write my name on the bottom of the trophy, it's going to say Danny Tome, DBA, Dantatora, doing business as. so Or Dantatora doing business as Danny Tome, I should say. So he won it. So shout out to the owner of the Wildcat Sports Pub winning the Gridiron Gurus League. In the wake-up call Orlando League, which is the toughest one I played in, it's nine years strong. Name change in progress run by Lisa Hughes defeated Buck Hammer's team run by Mark Eilat. Mark won two championships in a row. Lisa won last year. She won this year. So the championship game this year was played against the teams that are, have accounted for the last four championships in the wake-up call Orlando League. And that insane. Two best teams that we have. And shout-out to Rick. His team got a lot better. My favorite name team, Turn and Coughlin. Oh, yeah. Turn and Coughlin. The Benchwarmers win this one over Team Teeny. Here's the thing. Two women made it to the championship game. My mother, who is Team Teeny, and... Go ahead, Jimmy. You want to say anything? Aaron Roberts. You, uh, <laughs> you definitely <laughs> beat me. <laughs> so, Aaron Roberts and my mom... So whenever they say, Dan, how do we know that women listen to the show? How do we know that women connect to you? How do we know that we're reaching women when we sponsor your show? Well, I just mentioned a couple championship games, and a woman played in and won that one. And then in this one, the entire championship was two women. Mm -hmm. My mother, who made it to the championship game after not playing fantasy since I was like 10 or 13, and Aaron Roberts. Woman versus woman, 121 to 111. Hell of a game. And Aaron already has her fantasy football stud shirt that she wears and puts out all over the place. What do we think about Aaron winning? Hold on, let's 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 get Jimmy let's get Jimmy's face out here and we talk about this. Oh, shout out to Emma Dungey who is watching here. We just spoke on Eric Dungey and showed him a lot of love. We believe he'll make it into the NFL. Want to shout out Emma and also want to, to shout out Cindy who watches the videos and has supported my show. Uh, Eric's mother, Mama Dungey. For, for since he got here. So to the whole Dungy family, the Tortoras are rooting for you. Syracuse is rooting for you. And as I said before, I hope that this is only the beginning of my coverage of Eric Dungy. And it is my absolute honor and privilege that I got to ask him the question at the beginning of the press conference that created such a, a, that that he answered with such emotion. Right. It means a lot to me. So I have now been dubbed the man who made Dungy cry. And my, my dad sent me a message that said, think of all the defensive linemen that hit Eric Dungy, but you made him cry. And in all honesty, you know, with all jokes aside, Eric is, uh, is one of the most, he is one of the strongest mental competitors that I have ever seen in my life. Because that man was pushed to quit more times than he could probably count. So, shout out to Emma Dungey and the whole Dungey family. I would like to see your face as you talk about Aaron Roberts, your sister-in-law. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, uh, good game. Um, <laughs> He's looking at the ground. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shame we didn't play uh, Aaron Rodgers that week. It was tough. Uh, but it's even more of a shame that I hardly put up 100 points. In the wake of call fantasy challenge, so we give a shout out to Aaron as as well here in the grand scheme of things. And then Mel Kowitzki, he defeats Bill Heller. Bill Heller had a hell of a team, and there, his name was Heller of a team. He is one of the toughest competitors out there. He ends up losing to Mel Kowitzki, 
who has taken this very seriously. He gets 165 points. He scores the highest of anybody in the final week. Hell of a hell of a way to win. And then there's this league called Dream Chasers. And shout out Meek Mill. And the the winner of that defeated Doug Sherwood, and his name is his name is this guy. This is yeah. Did I finally do it? So Harry's situation. I was gonna change the name, right? I had I I created the name and we had made it to the finals. Right. And I was like, I'm gonna change the name. And it's and it's a it's a helmet with Elvis hair coming out of it. It's called Harry's Situation. I'm like, I gotta change the name. I gotta change the name of all the teams that struggled. Well, they didn't struggle. They made it to the championship. They would either make it to the final four to the championship game. So I'm like, I can't get rid of the team. I can't change the team name. So I said, let me keep the team name for one more year just to see if we can do it. And now I'll have a mini Lombardi trophy that will say Harry situation on it. I should see if you can get the helmet with the hair on it. Well, what I'm going to do is be the, it's a Lombardi. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fashion like uh, a little head of Elvis hair. Nice. So on my trophy, there's going to be the Elvis flip. That's prime. How is that not awesome? Yeah, Got to win the award for best trophy. So shout out to everybody that won from Mel to Lisa to Aaron to myself for winning as well very proud of that i don't want you to hurt yourself petting you. i know i know back, so i know see to. i'm not trying to pat myself on the back <laughs> i'm just very excited that i finally got this thing done it's it's been it's been a little it's been a couple of years since i won my championship it's done deal now. and now it's a done deal now i have some hardware so again shout out to aaron shout out to lisa i'm happy that i won as well Obviously, uh, shout out to Mel and uh, a big time shout out to Danny Tome. So I know Danny will be happy because of all the companies that I work with. Danny's the only one that can hoist the trophy. And so he can look at Utica Pizza and all these other ones and go, where's your trophy at? You know, he can look at Carvel. And and so when we all get together and have dinner, he can just, you know, just be like, hey, guys, what's up? And just plop that right down and go, you all work with Dan, but who's got a trophy? I'm sorry. What's that? I couldn't hear you over the hardware. I couldn't. I couldn't hear you. What was that? I can't. Oh, I'm sorry. This this is cutting the signal in the phone. There's there's just too much success coming my way. Oh, I can't see. The shine's too bright off that. Yeah, exactly. So the beauty of it all is that we have done it. We have won it. It's been a couple years for me, and now I get to put the trophy back in the back in the room. Aaron is going to give you a year of hell. Uh, not as not as bad as my brother. Really? When your when your brother won last? Oh yeah, he is gonna hear it because because she got mad at him for drafting Jimmy Graham, who I knew was trash. I knew Jimmy Graham was gonna be trash. He's been trash since he left New Orleans. But she was so pissed off. But how about the family affair? Okay, we have in in our in one of the fantasy football leagues, we have Jimmy, Johnny, Aaron, Jean Pierre, and Diane. All in it, right? I said everybody's name right, didn't I? Yep. So we have every, Jimmy looked at me. I was like, "Wait, did I miss somebody?" So we have every. So we have a family affair in here, right? Everybody's good. Diane's a pain in the butt to play. Jean Pierre, your dad is awesome. He's Phil Collins. I just, I love it. Yeah, he is. And then, and then Jimmy, you you bring it. Eleven and three can't finish. Johnny, 
is, I mean, he's he's that guy that, like, he loves playing you, he takes it really seriously. And then Aaron, the not even 24 hours after she won, she had a picture that said fantasy football stud is what her shirt has because she bought it. She bought it knowing that she was going to win. That's what she would tell you, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. She bought it knowing she was going to be a champion. So, shout out to you, Aaron, and shout out to everybody that won. Wake Up Call with Dan Satora has merchandise brought to you by Dry Sig Apparel. You can get the Wake Up Call hats and the Wake Up Call shirts by coming out to one of our events or by sending an email to dtstays at gmail.com. That's D-T-S-T-A-Y-S at gmail.com. And you can obviously come out to our events that we have coming up to grab yourself a t-shirt and or a hat. I want to thank everybody that's a part of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, Carvel DeWitt, Honda City of Liverpool, the Wildcat Sports Pub, Utica Pizza Company, Canine Campground Dog Boarding and Doggy Daycare, Chick-fil-A Cicero, the Penn and Trophy Center, Home Team Pub, Dry Sig Apparel and Dry Sig Lady, who makes our clothes, Dry Sig Apparel makes all of our clothes, FanHands.com, the Press Room Pub, True by Hilton Camillus, and your undefeated number one ranked in the nation, Syracuse Stallions. You can find Wake Up Call with Dan Satora's archive on Stitcher Radio, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, the RSS feed, YouTube, iTunes, and more. And you can listen every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash DT. So make sure you're doing that. Shout out to the Jaguars conversation that we had today, the Syracuse conversation as well, the conversation that we had about the college football playoff and college football in general. Of course, the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge. A big thanks to the Wildcat Sports Pub and the Penn and Trophy Center. And we also had this moment. What's up? Hey, hello. I was wondering if I could check my fantasy team. What do I get? I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna throw up. But I wanted you to all have to live in my in in my pain. If we're gonna do this, we're gonna have to do this together. So what I get? <laughs> in the way that he said. Yeah. I wonder if that's like a Brady tradition. You want to look up your team? What do I get? <clears throat> I think Brady's dad kissed him like that. I don't know. I'm yeah, hoping. You gotta learn that from somewhere. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping this isn't a long line of Brady makeouts. I really. Yeah. I mean, it brings the Brady bunch to a whole different term for me. Yeah, right. D- much darker place. Like, like, just picture the Brady bunch if all of them had a third eye here because of the incest. <laughs> you know, if they're all like this. Chilling with the Brady Bunch. Like, <laughs> eyes everywhere, arms coming out of the neck. I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> you got a conjoined twin, like. Yeah. Oh, my good Lord. Oh, the Brady Bunch. At least oh. Alice got the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk with you all soon. Jimmy, thank you for joining me today Absolutely. on Thanks video and audio. Jimmy Roberts, you can come hang out with Jimmy when we do trivia at the Press Room Pub, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. like to have Jimmy around. And uh, also, you know, just uh, in general, the resident Jaguars fan and always a good person and good friend of mine. And when I needed a friend most, middle of the night, Jimmy Roberts. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Shout out to everybody out there, and God bless to each and every single one of you. Thank you for watching and listening, and thank you to the Dungy family and all of the families of the players and coaches that I talk with for spending even a minute listening, watching, reading, 
It means a lot to me because I always try to be fair, honest, and to show that I care no matter what I'm talking about. And when mom, dad, sister, brother, girlfriend, boyfriend, cousin, aunt, uncle, grandparents, when I see that that you're paying attention to the show, you're watching, you're listening, you're reading, it makes me feel like my message that I'm trying to get across is getting across to the right people the right way. So God bless each and every single one of you. And shout out to the Dungy family. Let's get that man into the NFL. Yep. We'll talk with you all soon. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy 2019, folks.